welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I am Gabe Gonzalez. And I am Dana Pickley. And I'm Ian Martin. And I'm Ian Trellis Crawford. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hey. Hello. <laughs> Uh, Dana and Ian are saints and both wanted to do these recordings that are back to back. And I wanted to point that out that I appreciate both of you being like, yeah, I'll do both. Amazing. <laughs> and we are here today to talk about season one's The Ring. Uh, Ian, in our last recording, you mentioned that it is an episode that you truly hate, correct? Uh, having watched it again today, I don't know about hate. There's <laughs> there's worse stuff this season, um, but boy, is it a big mess. Big <laughs> mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was watching it today, and I, I feel like with some of these episodes, because, and like Ian, especially, I know you've gone through this because you've been going through them in a podcasty way where you have to analyze them. I don't know if I'm just giving them more room because it's like, well, it's a thousandth time I've seen it. I think of it as worse in my head. Eh. I still like the Angel Cordelio Wesley <laughs> stuff. But yeah, I was like, this is fine. I mean, it feels Philip Ellis mentioned in our recording yesterday for the prodigal that it looks Star Trek and it really does. Like it looks like a Star Trek Next Generation episode. Oh yeah, funny you should mention that. Uh, but I'll get I'll get into that. My some thoughts on that in a minute. But uh Gabe, what did you feel about this episode? <laughs> yeah, I was a vibing on it. It was like giving Gladiator meets that prison series with Wentworth Miller. It is like <laughs> one of those episodes where I am far more entertained by the B plot than I am the A plot. Yeah, I just yeah. wish we could scrub it. And it is um it is. It felt really long. Like it felt like it was it, like an idea for a feature film. A Star Trek episode is absolutely a way to situate it in my head, in terms of the prosthetics and the appearance of the demons, but also just like the storyline. It was really odd. I had a great time with Cordelia this episode, as I always yeah. do. Um, but otherwise, I wasn't vibing. It was not not for me. Not a cute little capsule episode. <laughs> and Dana, what'd you feel about the episode? Okay, so this is the episode where I finally really liked Wesley. Ah, good, good. <laughs> Finally. So we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but this was the one that I was like, okay, Wesley, I get it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, there's like a soft-hearted thing under all of your bravado. Yeah. Um, I I really loved Cordelia and Wesley's part in it. Um, yeah. That was my favorite part. But it, it really, to me, it was like very monster of the weeky. Like, what's Angel's trauma this week you know what are you gonna put angel through today you're right it really is like oh we're giving him oh just a cute little new trauma to add to this collection of traumas yeah so this episode is about yeah angel gets captured and fights in this ring but i gabe i think you pointed out perfectly that the b plot is way more interesting and way more fun and i almost wish it had at least gotten somewhat more like anywhere near as much time as the a plot had gotten right totally i mean when we started off with the the demon database i was like wait this is really fun i like love the like a little bit of world building they do throughout this series so anytime i get a peek into like kind of like the resources they're using like the modern technology that's cropped up surrounding demons and like these like more mystical or like weird fantastical things um, I'm very interested in that. And then we got this like grounded, dramatic, like, <laughs> like weird prison parallel the entire time. And it was just like, oh, it was such a slog. Um, and, you know, God, God bless Angel, but like he has a limited emotional range. It's built into <laughs> the character. You know what I'm saying? And just this sort of like proud savior complex moment was like a little much for me. But I love I truly just like love the bond moments we get with Wesley. I think I'd agree with Dana on this. Um he was a lot more charming this episode than he had been before. And seeing him and Cordelia play off of each other was a really fun dynamic. 
um, after not really enjoying the initial uh, trio they had at the beginning of season one. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and Ian, I'm curious what you think about this since you've already reviewed all of this. I was like, wait, is this the first episode Wesley is good at this stuff? Right? No. Uh, I mean, that's Wes. It's interesting tracking Wesley's arc because mm. uh, the the he's on Buffy. He's supposed to be pratfally terrible, but there are hints of competency that start to sneak in <laughs> yeah. uh, during <laughs> during Angel, and you start to realize he's actually good at what he does his main problem is his sense of self hmm. and his uh, his his um feelings about his father and all of that which i can't remember if i've got you under my skin is if we've watched that one already or yeah, if it's that's before these yeah yeah so that's the first bit uh that has to do with his father to me the the when he ro- rolls in on the motorcycle, the demons are genuinely scared of him, That's this, yeah. which suggests competency. But in expecting, he nails that gunshot to uh, shoot That's the canister true. True. over the demon. He's kind of like the Punisher with no self-esteem. <laughs> you know, like if it, 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 they they definitely play on comic book tropes with both of these shows. I mean, Buffy is Peter Parker oh, yeah. uh, through and through. But uh, yeah, Wesley's main issue is himself. And um, as, the more he gets out of his own way as the show goes on, the the more we see how he's actually really good at what he does. That's That's fair. I guess I keep thinking. So she a few episodes ago, which I think is. We'll see when I finish the series, but it's like maybe the worst episode of the series. Oh, is this the beer bad of uh... <laughs> she? I I I would say so. Yes, I I beer bad is like way better than she. Like I mean, beer bad has foamy. Yes, she has nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Could not follow that plot to save my life. Like you yeah. can have a gun to my head and ask me to recap that episode, and I don't think I could. Like, <laughs> but in that episode, which is just three episodes before this, Wesley falls not once, not twice, but three different times. It's kind of why that humor doesn't work for me because there, you know, I, I think that uh, Alexis Denisov is wonderful. At, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 he can do humor very well, but in terms of Wesley's character, the big goofy, broad falling over jokes make the transition from where he came from to where he's going a little rough. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we, as Gabe mentioned, we open on Cordy and Wes and it, it is weird. I mean, we've said this a couple times in these recordings, especially in Angel Season 1, what stuff they do keep and what stuff they get rid of in the world building that they're doing. Hmm. Um, and the Demons, Demons, Demons database is they use that for the rest of the series. I um, officially call it gurgling. Gurgle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, so even like a lot of the Angel figures come with little laptops that have like that on the screen the demons 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 site so i just always think of that as like a an angel thing and like you know and then we also get lila who becomes a little spoiler for dana she becomes a very important character in this universe i looked ahead Mm. i know okay (laughs) (laughs) i never know what like you and zach and like because gabe you have watched it once right i have unfortunately gotten to the later seasons uh at this point in my 
watch um because i as i mentioned you were the reason i i picked it up again and i had never seen much beyond season one a few episodes okay. season one um so you know it kind of picks up in two and three and then some weird shit starts going down and now Four i don't is a brick wall it is <laughs> truly i wish i was in the coma cordelia was in like i yeah. wow yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, it does, it's funny because it's you two and Zach who like kind of know, but like, ki- like because I he's seen me talk about it. Zach was even like, "Wait a minute, Cordelia and Angel don't spend a season as a couple," and I was like, "Oh no, they don't." <laughs> <laughs> like he thought like that's how it ends with like them as a couple, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm I have bad news for you." <laughs> but yeah, so this episode we get that we get them bickering, and I. The thing that does track here is since Wesley has come back, he has been consistently underestimating Cordelia. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of like that in this episode, like he does have to work with her and he gets to see, which we all know that she's actually pretty fucking smart and good at this yeah. shit. And I'm glad they don't undercut her moments because sometimes they'll give her a moment and then mm-hmm. undercut it, but they don't here. It's just like, yeah, she has the thing to unlock this. Yeah. She's the one to push the guy over. Like she's the one that has the good undercover plan. Like I like that she gets to do that. Their chemistry is so good. Uh, I wrote down, it feels like ages since the world's worst kiss in the library. (laughs) Yes. At at this point, it's uh, that scene is almost unfathomable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Given how good they are together and, and how, uh, how much chemistry they have and how well they play off each other. I mean, it's, it, it feels immersively purely platonic. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so good. And so present. Yeah. Dana, what do you think about their chemistry since you're more new to all of this? Uh yeah, I see it I see it better in this episode. Okay. It's this it's this like serious silliness that Cordelia has mm-hmm. because she's ridiculously funny. Like I laugh out loud at some of the things she says, but she's not trying to be funny, and that's what I like so much about <laughs> her. Um, and I think that works really well based off of like Wesley's over seriousness as well. Mm-hmm. I think they're a good they're good foils for each other. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I think they are. They really are because Char- charisma just has a very good line delivery when she's delivering any lines, and like she has good chemistry with everyone she shares a scene with. So I really like that we get this. I like that also Angel comes in on them bickering. Like the thing that really pisses Cordelia off is that he dares to say she would wear a push up bra, which. I love. Um, and I like that he's like not really pressed. He's just like, oh, children, they're fighting. Oh, we have a client. Everyone relax. And then they do. I did want to like. So, Gabe, you mentioned the, the the weird that this client is all like a farce. Feels like mm-hmm. a lot of work for them to be doing just to capture him. Right. Yeah, they dedicate a lot of scenes to this like sort of misdirect when Angel's tracking it down. I will say also very quickly about this scene, our opener, um, Cordelia's uh, dating idea would make a great app. Like if this show were happening now, I feel like that would absolutely be something that exists. I couldn't stop thinking Wait, about it. Wait, remind me what she says. Um, like I don't remember. It, she says something about making a dating app for demons. Oh. Like she loves the idea of like a dating site for demons. And I was like, that is, I, I want to see that. <laughs> I just want to see that. That's all. <laughs> just her working at a tech startup, making that happen uh, would be great. Uh, but yeah, I um, this misdirect was weird. And then I don't know. It was just like it felt a little too stereotypical. It was like the guy's bruised, like the fingers in the box. And he's like, but they weren't human. And you're like, oh, <laughs> um, and I thought it was going to be some like weird demon mafia or something like that. But yeah, we get like a lot of time spent on this misdirect. And I don't I don't need y'all to spend this much time convincing me that right? it's a. It's a plant. Like, 
Or, uh, they they could have just been like that guy t- hires Angel and then he goes out that night and gets beat up and captured, right? Like, sure, that's all mm. we needed. The I mean, it's the noir plotty mashup that they're trying to pull off again. It, you know, it, it, Angel actually doing detective work, which is something <laughs> you don't get a lot of beyond season one. That's true. I mean, mercifully, uh, I would say <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, this one just feels like pick a lane with the genre, uh, <laughs> uh, like, you know, Firefly, it, it, they're all mashups there. You've there's right, the, Cowboy, yeah. the, the space Western and then, uh, uh, Buffy's the high school horror tropes, but this is like, it goes from noir to fantasy to Spartacus gladiator stuff. And it, it, yeah, it just is, it feels like it was put together by four different writers at once, which I know <laughs> happened quite a bit. Someone got the the main line that week, but the script got passed around and several different scenes were written in different ways. The The bit mm. in the prison is very self-serious, except mm. when Angel wakes up. And then you get that <laughs> noir like, that blustery, like, well, I asked for a room with a view. <laughs> you know, which is so weird because yes. it doesn't talk that way normally. And then it goes away. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was, that, that was specifically is very weird. They only like, I feel like in season one, there's like random episodes where they do this. And like, I don't know why, because that's not. Angel, like the Buffy verse has the quips, but like Angel's never the quippy guy. Yeah, I mean, in I, I don't know how it worked with Angel, but a lot of the mutant enemy writers talk about how with Buffy, Joss touched every script yeah. and rewrote certain scenes. And a lot of times, if you loved a joke in an episode, it tended to be something that he wrote. And I do wonder if David Greenwald, as the main showrunner here, did some of that with each of the scripts because this one just feels cobbled together from four different ideas and the chemistry stuff in the group works great and everything else is tedious uh (laughs) and and heavy-handed howard gordon i think is the name of the writer on this one and he also wrote hero which to me people love that episode and i think that it's because of the bookends to that episode which again feel like they were written by a different writer (laughs) <laughs> where you have the chemistry stuff with Doyle and Cordy in the opening, our rats are low, and then the ending, which is very emotional and affecting. But whenever people talk about how much they love that episode, I'm like, yeah, but Nazi racial purity demons and Holocaust imagery? Right. Like, <laughs> it, 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 you know, I love the bookends to that episode. And that feels the same way here, where it's just kind of this bizarre mix of tones that never really comes together. So Dana and Gabe, you're both newer to Angel. Like, does it, what do you feel about that? Dana, I'm curious as, as like you, I know you're a huge Buffy fan, so I'm curious how you felt this season. Uh, you know, the episodes pull me in and out. That's the my problem, mm. I think, is that I, I was really, with, with Buffy, I was all in. And even when there were flaws, like I could like look past them, but yeah. there's something about Angel that like one episode I'm I'm like okay I'm in, and then ne- next episode I'm like ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is totally fair. <laughs> I t- yeah I totally agree. I feel like season one is like it can't decide its tone yeah. yet, and I think it succeeds most in in the the episodes where it finds levity and like lets 
their actors do like fun dialogue work. Mm-hmm. And I think the episodes that succeed the least or like maybe outright bad are again, these ones with like heavy handed imagery that are supposed to, you know, conjure feelings of social commentary. And this just isn't a show that has the range to do something like that in a thoughtful way. Um, I am way more interested in the idea of like, you know, demons assimilating to human culture, yeah. like sort of what traditions happen. Like when, when we're getting into that, it's like fun. It's uh, it can be very comedic. You know, maybe you get ideas of like, parallels between social inequality and like our society and theirs but it does it's not like a this is this is very serious this is going to be a serious i'm just like we don't need that and i think the episodes where angels sort of like serious and like dour demeanor plays kind of against the tone are a lot more fun for me or you know plays with rather than against Yeah, yeah yeah that's and i do think that's totally fair and like i do think especially i mean we talked about this in the prodigal like especially here like we're introducing lila and it feels like they introduced her knowing they were going to use her more right doesn't it feel that oh, way yeah such a conspicuous entrance i was like we're making a big thing about this ticket yeah. like something's going down <laughs> yeah I, I i knew the second that she started talking i was like okay this this chick's gonna have like a bigger part isn't she and so that's when i started looking up her role <laughs> Uh, yeah. into the season they don't they don't it's not it's not subtlety is not angels um, no <laughs> specialty <laughs> <laughs> well i mean the clearly they set out with a mandate to make a darker version of buffy right and that mm-hmm. doesn't maybe that just doesn't work i mean even my favorite season of the show while it has those high dramatic moments is still comedic and the season five of, of angel is still comedic and, and, and yeah. it homogenizes uh, all the tones together a little bit more successfully, mm-hmm. but it, it, these uh, early seasons just really smack of throwing as much against the wall to see what sticks mm-hmm. and including the, here's a new character. I mean, who's the millionaire? Oh, uh, David Nesbitt. David, he appears for a couple of episodes yeah. and goes away. Kate, I mean, spoiler, Dana, I'm sorry, but uh, Kate departs a little yeah. early in season two. There's a there's a, mm. a number of characters that you think are going to be around for a little while and then kind of go away because the tone of the show shifts from episodic detective case of the week to, oh, we're really good at chemistry. Why don't we just tell arky stories about these mm-hmm. characters and their struggles rather than you know, all of this plotty external stuff. Yeah. And I, I, it feels like they're kind of assembling. It, it almost feels like, cause I mean, we get gun in a few episodes, we get the faith episode soon. We just met Lila and now she's going to be in a couple episodes. Um, it, it, Lindsay comes back. It does feel like they're like, yeah, let's, let's get an ensemble cast. Like, uh, even if it's just reoccurring people. Yeah. And what's wild is I know that Jay August Richards, I interviewed him, for the podcast when after he had come out and he said i didn't realize he oh yeah he was hired as a like um diversity hire they like had a mandate that all the shows needed to have at least one black character and he said that's why he got hired hmm. that they like then wrote gun into the show and they hired him because like there was some mandate at the wb and it's wild to think that like so like so far into season one they were like oh now we have to add one character of color but then they did, and they did a good job, which is weird. <laughs> like, right? I mean, he's one of the best additions to the cast. Also, I'm like, y'all are in Los Angeles. <laughs> like, first of all, how does Angel run a small business without knowing how to speak a little Spanish? <laughs> and how are there no people of color in your cast? It's just what it's wild to me. 
the amount of white blonde people at parties. I'm like, I guess you're j- exclusively in Beverly Hills. I don't know what to tell you. Like, what's going on? We get a lot of the detective work shit. Um, even <laughs> the the howler demon. I'm sure that's what they wrote into the script. Detective work shit. <laughs> like that felt especially stupid (laughs) Uh, when he lights the flame with the 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 bill (laughs) i i also wrote down season one seems to be the season of generic lantern jawed douchebags yeah it really does like just just Generic, <laughs> generic. Who the, the the entire population of the Lonely Hearts Bar early on, you know, <laughs> half of Wolfram and Hart, just people who could hammer a nail into a board with their jaw, and I don't want to watch on screen. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Um, so we get, yeah, we meet that he's like a bookie, right? Is the the guy yeah. with, the, yeah, yeah, he's a bookie. Angel pays him, and like again, this is a lot of work. For something that, like, they could have done this in that alley. Like, right there, those guards could have been in that alley. Why did they, like... And he beat up a lot of people. Like, I, I don't know. Um, God, and the wheatgrass joke. I just remember I wrote in all caps, wheatgrass joke, and then sad face. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> cut it all. Cut all Gabe, of it, Gabe, do you want to say what the joke was? <laughs> It was just something like, he's like, uh, it's something like, uh, oh, wheatgrass, like, you ought to try it, it's good for the digestion. And I was like, what? Like, what? Like, it's delivered like it's supposed to, I don't, I, God, I can't even, I've wiped it from my brain yeah. already. That's, but that's all I know, wheatgrass jokes at face. That's the general sentiment. You're right, it's the delivery that makes it even wilder, because it's like, yeah. wait, he just, like, straight face, there was no beat, like, is that is that not a joke? Is it? It's, it sounded like... The angel line was delivered in ADR too. The yes. the, uh, <laughs> it's like he had to improv several. Jokes. You really brought David into a booth to record that. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man! So he goes to the ring. I every time I'm like, I just call it the ring. Um, he goes there. He sees what's going on. We meet Lila. She looks great. It is a good intro for a character. It's weird, but it they make her presence like she has a presence right her presence is my presence <laughs> hey. she does make a sexy entrance he sees the guy he's been looking for he goes to him he learns it's all been a trap he gets captured and becomes one of the like enslaved demons in this like fighting ring okay i just yeah I, can I pose a question for all of you? This is the one big like emotional stretch that like confused me in the show is that like he's walking around this ring, right? And he looks horrified, like absolutely horrified. But I cannot count the amount of demons he's <laughs> just like, right? Just like absolutely slaughtered. Yeah, the number one problem right? with the episode is like. Like you and your ex have both <laughs> like spent seasons just not even looking at this dude being like, what did you do? Why are, are you being forced to be someone's like, no, they just like behead them or stake them. And suddenly he's walking around this ring like, I, I really feel for these demons. <laughs> okay, but horrible. that is pointed out at the end of the episode. It is. It is. <laughs> right. Yes. But does, that, does that make up for the total lack of dramatic stakes during the episode? <laughs> I, like, I, 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 I feel I, I agree with you. Like they that's a good line. The ending like, Oh, didn't we, that's a great uh, comedic beat at the end of the episode, but it doesn't for me make up to, for the entire time of just like, am I, 
like demons are, are have been treated as a plague the entire yeah. time. Am I supposed to be upset because Ebola is fighting cancer in the middle of the ring? Like, who cares? Jesus. Why do I care about this? <laughs> That's yes, that is a very good point. I mean, I I feel like we're supposed to be like, I don't like some of them are good. Some of them because like there's like the demon with the tongue, right? Who like is posed as the bully bad guy, but in the end he does help everyone escape. Ah. We've talked about this before on, on other episodes of Slayer Fest, but I think Angel does go farther in sort of humanizing yeah. demons, yeah. like showing a more comedic or or human side to a lot of these demon characters rather than just strictly as antagonists. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like do understand some of the moral ambiguity present throughout the series. Like it's not coming out of nowhere, but like in this one in particular, I'm just like I don't know. It was, yeah, it, it did feel a little out of, out of the blue. Yeah. We quickly learn all of the like rules or whatever, right? It's like the first rule about demon fight club is <laughs> everyone apparently talks about demon fight club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we learn that they have these cuffs that if they cross the red line, they get like disintegrated, which I didn't quite understand later for how angels arm doesn't like, he just like quickly pulls it. I don't know. It feels like these people mm-hmm. immediately when they cross that line turn to dust. Uh, we we kind of set up the dynamic of the demons, but it doesn't matter. I don't even know any of their names. So we before that, we do get a scene, I guess I, I wanted to mention because I do like Cordy and Wes doing. We keep cutting to them, right? And one of the cuts is she's like, oh, there's always slimes. He's talking about the demon. Did she say claw or hands? And she's like, he said claw like hands. And I do thought, I thought that was like, I like them watching them do the research. I don't know. Putting it all into the the demon. Yeah. (laughs) So ridiculous. (laughs) And I love that they're pre, like pre-written in categories on the site. It's like hands, smell. smell. I'm just like, love that. Love that. That does feel very advanced for a website back then, right? (laughs) For a website in what, like the year 2000, I think is 2000, yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) God, it's really, it's really fun listening to you try and summarize these episodes. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And then fighting, and then, I don't know. And then, and then Cordelia making a joke about a portion hair plugs, and then we're back to fighting. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Angel's, trying, Angel's trying to get the other demons to rebel against right. their captors, but some of the demons are very close to their 21 kills, which means that they'll get out. And the others are just like, what? we can't, there's no way out of here. Forget this. We're demons. We're not friends. You tr- you've probably killed all of my cousins. <laughs> Angel, like yourself. And so basically nobody wants to work with Angel in his quest for unity. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for accurately summarizing, Dana. (laughs) Uh, A lot more articulate than (laughs) (laughs) that. This is is why Dana is a professional. (laughs) God bless. And I'm clobbering together this podcast with like super glue. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, we get, and we get a little bit more of, we, See, Wes and Cordy are in panic mode because Angel has not come home, right? I, we get the tiny bit of linking it to the episode before this because they say they called Cop Lady and that she didn't seem to care. <laughs> yeah, she was like, fuck you and fuck Angel and she hung up on them. Yeah. <laughs> so Cordelia's worried, right? And so she's like, Wesley, we've got we to look for him. And Wesley's like, well, it's just one night. And Cordy's like, no, this is serious. So they go off looking for... Um, 
for him and they run into these guys and um they uh, see <laughs> they, hold on, hold on, I got it, I got it. Okay. And Wesley Wesley gets on his like big bad guy, like you're like, where's Angel? And they're like, give me some money, right? And and, and Wesley whips out his like little baby mini crossbow. Yeah. <laughs> and shoots the guy in the hand. <laughs> and he's like, again, where's Angel? So then yeah. they they get a little bit more of an idea of like what Angel's really gotten stuck into. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we we do get what you were leading up to. Uh we do get Wes and Cordy. There's also a lot of that in this episode where like they go beat someone up and they're like, give me the info. And then they're just out of place, which I appreciate cutting out that but it's like cut out more of this i will say the one moment in that scene i really appreciate it is when wesley walks up to the dude's hand that he has nailed to i guess a board or column <laughs> using the little baby crossbow and then just gently twists it and i was like oh like this is this is freaky wesley like we're getting like he's not fucking around right fellas. it was really it was an important detail for wesley's arc in this episode for me i was like a little grossed out and I was like, this is yeah, I like this. That's yeah. that moment of competence. That yeah. like that yeah. where he uh hits him perfectly in the hand and grabs the gun as it slides across the floor. You just get that moment of like, oh, so this is what he's capable of. In the same episode where he says, Well, I'm bringing this along and pulls the whole thing off the table and falls <laughs> over and does that whole wah, wah, you know. But somewhere between that scene and this one, Wesley was trained by the CIA <laughs> and now knows exactly how to, yeah. But it is there. It's there. And and it's fun to see it um, emerge during the course of his arc. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we get them. They're at this ring and they're about to enter. And I love this scene. It's I a love great scene. Right. Dana, tell, tell so us good. about this. Scene. It's so, good. so why, why can't Cordelia be this good of an actor right? when, when she's actually acting? <laughs> she is good right it's just so good she basically is like yo um like we need your your information and we're gonna we're with the police and the guy's like don't you know who i am <laughs> and she and wesley go back and forth and they you can tell they're like tr- trying to to be seen partners in this and it's not quite <laughs> successful yeah but eventually yeah. they convince this guy um you know oh no no you shouldn't go in and they end up getting his his tickets so they're able to sneak in. I love to the show him the badge and Alexis <laughs> opens his wallet backwards, flashes it really quickly and puts it back in his pocket. <laughs> so good. And like, I love that she is confident and stone faced the entire, like Cordelia is like, nope, we are, I am doing this and they are going to believe me. Um, And like the way she figures out from them, like you said, Dana, he does the guys like, don't you know who I am? And, so then she's like, yes, we're helping you because there's going to be a raid. Yes. And that's fucking smart, right? So she flips on a dime. Mm-hmm. She like runs mm-hmm. with it. It's like beautiful, Cordy. Yeah, yeah. And so she, they get their tickets. They're able to enter. And I, we see them like they go in as Angel's fighting his first fight. So they watch him kill the demon that he's fighting. Um, and like, again... As you've all mentioned, the beat of like, oh no, he's killed a demon. It's like, yeah, he does that every episode. (laughs) And like, they play like dramatic music because he stabbed the guy. And it just feels like, so what? Like, what now? Okay. Like, yeah, I was thinking of a a way of a simple way of kind of raising the stakes or fixing, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, at least bringing some dramatic tension to it other than the music and the way it's shot and all of that, which is just Mm -hmm. telling us that this is dramatic, but we're not actually feeling anything. Howard Gordon wrote 
Hero, and Hero has the Lister demons in it with the Holocaust imagery and all of that. But mm. Reef is the young boy demon in that story mm. that is trying to get away and trying to escape his family and all of that. And the the young demon in the ring, the the young boy who's just obviously fodder to be right, murdered yeah. for drama. I was like, just don't rock the boat. Just, yeah. just make him reef from yeah. hero. We've already established the connection to that character, the drama of it. Maybe angel instead of this whole convoluted thing about uh, angel being hired to be captured or whatever he goes after reef has disappeared. He goes after to find reef ends up getting captured and put in the ring. And reef is the one who says, don't rock the boat. And is that character during the course of the story? Then you're they're like, it, it fixes like 10 things at once. It's much <laughs> more dramatically engrossing and all of that. But the rest of it, without that, I just didn't care. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I, fucking love that rewrite Ian. that is a very good idea like because so often the show does that a lot right and I, it reminds me of doctor who in a bit like in, in a little way like i uh, the way that doctor who and i to be fair doctor who is a show i gave up on halfway through peter capaldi's season so i don't know about the like more recent ones but especially in like early seasons with like david Tennant, they would introduce a character for one episode that would have to be like that character's death will is supposed to be sad. And it was always like, I don't care. I just met this character 15 minutes ago. So, all right, whatever. Um, and I, I can, I'm almost never sold on a one-off. You're supposed to care about this character and only for this episode and you will never see them again. Like I just have trouble with that. Yeah. And reef and hero borrows on Doyle's arc to yeah. get us emotionally invested in him, which is why it works a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, if it works at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in uh the 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 doyle's last episode dana um there's a guy there's a younger demon that he like convinces to come back the demon like runs away at some point that's that demon oh okay okay yeah I, what i'm saying is if if the case had just been that young boy demon that doyle tried to save has disappeared angel goes after him which gives angel more stakes because he's trying to preserve doyle's right. last uh, heroic act. We're already more connected with that young boy from Doyle's last episode than we are to the kid in this one. Yeah. Uh, so on and so forth. But yeah. you I, know, it, it's so easy to play armchair quarterback with right. Uh, this kind of thing. It's like I don't know which actors were available, what the schedules were like. Right. You know, I know they had two weeks to film an episode, which is no time at all, and the writers were moving that quickly too. So. Take everything I say with a grain of salt, of course. <laughs> yeah, I just would have missed that finger in a box at the beginning that they stared at for way too long. You know what I mean? Like, just the credits rolled and it was still open and it took them a long time to close it. <laughs> just, it's just them holding on to a finger. Um, a line that I do like when Cordy and Wesley enter is like, Wesley does say that there had been rumors of like demon fight clubs, as Dana called it throughout whatever and he said i'd heard rumors of a revival and cordy replies couldn't they have just done west side story oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so good so good i was like wait a minute that's a really fucking good line that they like breeze by but i do like that <laughs> um this is also a very like eat the rich episode yeah because i can absolutely imagine a bunch of like wealthy people 
throwing down thousands of dollars to watch enslaved yeah. demons battle it out with each other. I'm like, oh god, this yeah. feels oh, yeah. too close to home. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was as I was watching this, I was thinking about. There's an interview with Patrick Stewart where he talks about how during the first year of Star Trek: The Next Generation, he lived in a hotel the entire time because he thought the show was going to be canceled. Hmm. And in it, he says, "Yeah, we were filming some." racist piece of garbage (laughs) and the episode he's referring to is code of honor which is the second or third episode in star trek the next generation where tasha needs to fight a gladiator battle against someone else and they're on this planet that is completely populated by stereotypes from coming to america Oh, it was the late, it was the late 80s but uh, boy did it has that not aged well but the um one of the common readings of Star Trek that I've heard is that yes, it's supposed to be an, uh, a utopia, but all of the aliens are racially coded. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to break down the stereotypes for you, but if you look at the Ferengi and if you look at the the, the Klingons and if you look right. at the Vulcans, they all sort of conform to commonly held Western race racial stereotypes. Mm. In this one, well, I, 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 thinking about this today, I realized that's one of the things that makes me kind of <sighs> uncomfortable with this episode is I feel like the demons are, yeah. are very racially coded in this. Yeah. And with from that perspective, it turns this whole gladiator story into a white savior story where angel uh literally sacrifices himself and is willing to be murdered to save everyone else and then all of the demons free uh, you know rise up thanks to angel and save themselves and so forth you know it's fern gully it's avatar it's dances with wolves (laughs) (laughs) you know done in weekly fantasy what and it just is that like that's just one of those storytelling tropes that needs to die it is so tired um and i say all of that acknowledging that i don't think any of that was done i i i normally assume that uh, that was not done deliberately i've talked with some of the writers on the Mm. shows and this is just layered into the culture at the time and you just kind of wander into it by accident and then in hindsight um, I think Tim Minear said, like, yeah, with a lot of that stuff we wrote just didn't doesn't work anymore. And I was like, oh, okay, you, you know, like, right. of course, of course. Well, it's also like writers at that writers room at that time were dominated by like predominantly white yes. perspectives yeah. as well, right? So it's like y'all are stumbling into it, but you're stumbling into it because the crew cannot see right. it, right? You're just like driving the line, <laughs> and so it is. There are so many moments this season where I'm like. We're in LA and this is coded as like a Chicano man, but like he's a demon who's about to get stabbed, but like he's wearing a bandana and some cholo shit. It's just like so yeah. fucked up sometimes. I'm like, come on, baby, just like cast a human one. Like, let them not die. Like Yes. Another easy thing, make this make these characters all human beings uh that are that have been captured or make it you could go back to christians to the lions so make one a demon and then one humans that have been captured off the street or something if you want to play with these kind of historical ideas but the this particular form is uniquely devoid of any substance to me yeah especially so yes speaking of the savior stuff so we quickly get the the quote unquote fake the missing brother that wasn't missing who is like seems to be one of the like wranglers of these enslaved demons angel 
I have no idea how this works. He move, he pulls his arm over the red line. <laughs> just a little electrocution happens. He pulls the guy in. He's like, I'm going to kill him. The, the fake client that had hired him just comes in and shoots his brother. And it doesn't even, I, that, that scene did nothing. Right. It's like, okay, again, like, and it's supposed to be a big, like, Oh no, this man killed his brother, but these are like men who keep slaves. So I'm not like, you know, <laughs> right. again, like, no stakes. The moral, no com- stakes. The moral compass is that it's, it's nowhere. <laughs> yeah. It's like spinning around real fast. So then they electrocute him and Gabe, where does he wake up? Oh my gosh. Wait, where are we at this point? Hold on. Now I've got to find my outline. Jesus. Which time? Cause there he gets electrocuted so often. He wakes up in an office. Oh, he wakes up with Miss Lila, yes. who's about to dish what's happening. She's about to dish the tea. She, and I would love to talk once we get through this scene, I would love to talk about her. Cause I, I'm very much confused about Wolfram and Hart's intentions with Angel throughout the season. It's a very will they, won't they? It's a very <laughs> fuck, Mary kill. Which one are we doing this week? Um, so this is interesting to me. But yes, we are in an office with Lila. Yeah, the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it's yes. It's all of the above yeah. in every way. Dana, knowing that she uh, comes back into it, did you? what did you think of this scene? I mean, it didn't surprise me that she ended up having a larger role in this. And then I do have, I you know, I have to give Angel kudos here. He's like, you know what? These guys suck, but there is no way in hell I'm going to be <laughs> under the thumb of Wolfram and Hart. And he's like, no thanks. And he's like, send me back to the ring. Yeah. um and i you are right dana like it is no surprise right because her acting is like leaps and bounds already better than like any throwaway lawyer they've had in yeah and she's she's and she's a brunette so (laughs) angel has to connect on an uh on a deeper level with brunettes um right if she's she was a blonde she'd be a love interest for two episodes and then he'd murder her father (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ um yeah ian what do you think about this scene it takes me a while like i know lila is a fan favorite um uh, but it takes me a little while to warm up to her and the sort of the the plight yeah, and I I don't know why. Um, I I guess it's something that I I've not. But but the thing is, like any returning big bads for us to attach to, especially at this point, is a is a wonderful addition. You know, the the more we get of Lindsay, the more we get of Lila. I think in season two is when I start to warm up to Lila when they're playing off of yeah. each other. Lindsay and Lila are playing off of each other yeah, is yeah. a lot of fun. Um, but at this point, it, it could be the episode itself is just so lukewarm for me that, yeah, I wasn't, I, I was no more in. The other thing too is Angel just lacks such, it lacks any pragmatism whatsoever, right? Like you're out. You're into you the speech kn- I was about to give. Yes. You, you know where the ring Thank is. You. Thank <laughs> you. Go back and find uh, your team and go shut those guys down. You don't need to noble sacrifice yourself to go back into the, the they may not even know where you are. Lie to her, take the deal. Yes, and then right. you know, like, Absolutely. It's, Come on. It, it's, it's so <laughs> silly. It's just so silly. That my notes say this is so fucking stupid because <laughs> there's not a world. In, okay, if he doesn't, if he is not going to abide by the this like human fight club contract where he's like, well, I'm not going to kill. Why does he have to abide by some arbitrary Wolfram and Hart contract 
that he's had nothing to, he didn't sign shit. Right. Right. I just feel like saying, take me back to the demon fight club is so fucking stupid because yeah, just lie to her. Just be like, all right, cool. Yeah. We'll work together. Haha, JK, I'm never working with you. Yeah, it's it's a part of the Spartacus trope store genre. And it just doesn't fit in this particular storyline. You know, it's just a messy, messy script. Yeah. Yeah, it's like so noble, it circles back to fucking stupid. Yes. Yes. I'm also like they introduce Wolfram and Hart and then like selectively reference them throughout episodes. And I'm like, this episode is already so crowded. Yeah. This is we're gonna pick up where we're gonna pick up one of the larger season arcs and be like, actually, here's a little bit about them. <laughs> I was just like, we this is too much. We're crammed in. Like, I can't, I can't anymore. And it's also just very confusing. They're like offering deals with him, but like then they maybe like want to capture right. him, then they maybe want him dead. I'm just like what do you want? And I'm not even sure if they know they're just supposed to be like shady LA lawyers who are kind of demonic. And that's all I feel like I, at this point in watching the season, that's all I felt I had gotten. And, you know, to be fair, I think a lot of things are, are clarify maybe, or like retcon right, yeah. and then changed like, um, but it is, uh, it, it just made the episode more convoluted for me. And I do love Lila. I think some of her later moments are uh, confusing yes. for me in terms of like what she would do. But at this point, I was very interested. I just felt like this wasn't an episode for me to like figure out why or how yet. Yeah, that's yes. And I, I, I think the, that Lila definitely shines starting in season two. Yeah. And the, the Lila that I particularly love um, without spoiling anything, I believe is in season four. And again, it's all in who she pl- is able to play off of. And then I hate and what then, happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so we, I'm going to do what you said, Ian, I'm going to combine. We get a lot of Wesley and Cordelia were cutting back to them. He electrocutes himself and he does fall over. Um, Cordy has, the, I, I still. We should do a pratfall count. <laughs> keep, keep track of every episode. So, uh, I'm not quite sure what the hair thing does. So she's like, okay, oh, who's so, hair? So the, so the reason he gets electrocuted is because this magical, mystical bracelet or whatever conducts electricity of, or of some sort. And they need some sort of way to like trigger the mechanism um, that doesn't conduct electricity that way. And so Cordelia takes off her Palomino <laughs> hair bracelet, which she says before the IRS came. Yeah. Um, she had this Palomino <laughs> pony and they're able to use the horse hair because it is stiffer than like a regular piece of hair, but it does not conduct electricity. And that is why the horse hair works to uh, release the um, 21 bands. Dana, great explanation. Thank, <laughs> Thank you so you. much. <laughs> what what a weirdly specific detail. Well, <laughs> right. You, know, you gotta you gotta be able to bring in the Palomino at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I love Cordelia coming out as a horse girl this episode. That's great. I also I do want to point out Wesley's language this episode has been really like particularly horny in like a, a kind of like British romantic way. Like in the first scene, he says Cordelia is erected on like uh like pump heels alone and in this scene he says the word supple <laughs> i forget what it, he uses it to describe what they need and i'm like erected supple i just kept writing words down where i was like wesley's like going through it like Wes, wesley has a lot of pent-up energy that is coming out in his language that's making me deeply uncomfortable this episode <laughs> so we get all that they've they figured out how to hack the cuffs right and we cut back to demon fight club 
Angel has, we learn that Angel has to fight the like quiet, stoic demon that we kept cutting to. <laughs> Surprise. So even his design, there is a, I, so like I, I was obsessed with Star Trek as a kid, right? But as an adult, every time I try to revisit, especially Next Generation, I'm like, oh, this is a chore. So I haven't revisited Star Trek, but there is a very specific character that I can picture who wears like a greenish beige outfit and has a sash he looked just like this demon. Like he, but he looked like a pig version, but he still had the weird dinosaur, like shell spike things. I don't know, but there's a, a demon, a alien in Star Trek who does look like this demon. Doesn't fucking matter. This guy, like <laughs> what? He just says like, I'll kill you quick. And that's the only line we had heard him say previously. Cordy and Wes get back into demon fight club and dana what does cordelia do to get them in she's like oh my god i totally got lost on my way to the bathroom (laughs) which is absolutely something i would do if i was in that position um wesley sneaks in and uh due to cordelia's um adorable ineptitude which is actually cunning cleverness I, the thing I love is that Cordelia is very good at using that, right? She is very good at being like, oh, ha ha, I'm so dumb. But really, she's fucking smart because she knows that that'll like get whatever man she's trying to create a diversion with to like completely be like, what do you need, sweetheart? It's like Jennifer Garner in Alias. It's Kaylee Cuoco in The Flight Attendant. <laughs> it's just giving me like range. Actresses with range <laughs> lost on the way to the bathroom. It is... <laughs> the favorite excuse <laughs> and i absolutely love it i do i really do wesley then finds the the demon with the long tongue and we go back to that weird thing where he's like i have i mean also i was like wesley why are you putting your arm inside like that feels s- right <laughs> wesley maybe wesley just maybe it's that he is too naive maybe that's yeah it. it's just that he doesn't expect he doesn't think two steps ahead. Yeah, right? Like, as soon as he put his hand in there, I was like, well, that demon's going to take that like, thing. Let me, let me stick my magic token, <laughs> basically, like, right in the face of this demon. <laughs> the most and important thing for the episode. that he took it. Yeah. The demon uses his tongue to take the key. Wesley meets up with Cordelia, and he tells her that he lost the key. Which is another weird... That's another thing in this episode where it's like, we spent so much time on that. And then... It gets like stolen from him and he's too dumb to use it correctly, but it does help because then that demon unlocks his chain. We see Angel about to kill the stoic demon. He does not. Then that demon's about to kill him, but he does not. Um, And the big boss is like, all right, kill them both. Cordy and Wesley have spotted him. <laughs> you know, he they they what throw those like pointed st- or no, then they start to like they go to kill them. Wesley takes out a gun. He is beat up and the boss takes the gun. And then Cordelia, what does she do, Gabe? Cordelia at this point, okay, we got the demons fighting. Someone has already, the gun has been pulled out. Sorry, I'm literally trying to look at my notes at this point. (laughs) They're absolutely unintelligible. I'm keeping you and Dana on your toes. I know Ian's got this plot. No, you really, it feels like a pop quiz where I like, I like started tripping on acid and then came to at the end. (laughs) She pushes him in? Who is she pushing? The bad guy. The big oh bad my God. guy. The bad guy. The one who shot his brother. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, this is where we are. I, Sorry, I was still thinking about the speech uh, Angel gave to Trepkos earlier, which I think like goes back to Ian's point. But yes, okay, we're here. Wesley's pulled out the gun. <laughs> the man who shot his brother has been pulled in and surprise, surprise. Right. 
the demons who have stormed the arena right. are about to do something. Ian, what did they do? <laughs> the tables have turned, Ian Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then they uh, put a, one of the cuffs on him and immediately throw him across the red line and he disintegrates. So they all escape. And even this ending feels like, oh, we're done. Like I, normally these episodes like wrap up with like the next day or that night they're at Angel Investigations. But then we just, you know, they're leaving. And yeah, the the South Park thing they always used to satirize. Like, well, what have we learned? I learned today that, you know, I'm, I shouldn't <laughs> be wearing the ring because I have to earn my redemption. This one's like, hey, didn't we just set a bunch of demons free? <laughs> It's over! Oh, shit, we're going to have to end up killing most of those guys this later this month. Hey, <laughs> look at that in front of us next season. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, like, it almost feels like it should have played the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme. <laughs> yeah. Literally, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, and then then that's it. The episode is over. Yeah, the thing he says to Trepkos, uh, I wrote it down. Is this how you want to pay for your freedom with 21 bodies? You'll always be their slave. Which is, oh. it's just this white dude explaining <laughs> to a man the conditions of his slavery. Yeah. Like I'm just, yeah, it, it doesn't work for multiple reasons. There's that one. The other one is he's a demon. It reminds me of <laughs> Orlando Bloom and Johnny Depp fighting in Pirates of the Caribbean, and Orlando Bloom's oh, like, God. "You cheated," and Johnny Depp goes, "Pirate." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's just like, uh, and I, I feel like. Trepkos should have been like, and how many demons have you killed, Angel? Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my friend Trepkos is he is a, a man of few words, okay? Yes. He doesn't waste his he doesn't waste his breath on foolishness. <laughs> also a good point. He does not. Um I want a spin-off called My Pal Treptos. <laughs> just just him walking around LA, man of few words. You know, really charming. <laughs> him and Dana, a buddy comedy. <laughs> yes. Boy. Uh all right. We're at the end here. Uh favorite outfit. I know there's this is what the one is rough for this episode. Uh Gabe. Oh god, favorite outfit. This is really uh it's really this is kind of tough. Yeah. I want to say Wesley's little trench coat thing where he shoots the man. Is he wearing that little trench coat? No, he's, at that point? he's wearing his like beige linen suit oh he loves that beige <laughs> oh that's linen. what it is thank he, he does, you it he is because i was seeing khaki in my brain you're right it's a beige linen suit i think that outfit his little like uh los angeles southern california version of james bond uh <laughs> might have been the best menswear of the episode all right, all right. it's a low bar uh but. dana well i have to disagree because i think the best menswear of the episode Uh-oh. is actually my friend trepkos who <laughs> hey. is wearing a later hosen Yes, <laughs> he is. He is wearing lederhosen <laughs> with like lamb's wool on the inside to protect against his nipples chafing or something. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, striped, striped, striped pants and vertical and, uh, striped pants <laughs> and lederhosen top. <laughs> um, Ian, <laughs> yeah, that that's the winner. Right All right. Um, I think so. The first time they go to the ring, when Cordelia does her very confident undercover cop bit, she's wearing like a black dress and has a, I think it's like a cheetah print, but it's like a light colored cheetah print. I like that outfit. And her hair is done up and it looks cute. Because um, when she does her hair up sometimes this season, sometimes they do like just pull it back. But this updo is like, I don't know if there's a word for that, where like the pulled back part is also poofy. And I think it looks cute on her. Um, <laughs> favorite scene, Ian? Uh, it's got to be the badge flashing. 
scene. <laughs> yeah, uh, fair. Uh, the the two of them teaming up. I mean, it's the answer is really any scene with Wes and Cordy in this one, but that's yeah. probably the highlight to me. Yeah, fair. Uh, Gabe. Um, I'm also going to say that scene, uh, my reason or like my primary reason, I think, is that it showcases why Cordelia's insight is important and like her background is a unique yeah. asset to the group. Like, I don't think anybody else could approach a bunch of like rich L.A. normies and be like, look, their deference to authority is how we're going to get this done. <laughs> like, I know this. You might not. Uh, and it just I, it just proves why she is an asset, especially in these early seasons. And it's just such a funny yeah. scene. It's great. Yeah, Dana. Again, uh, I'm agreeing with with uh, Ian and Gabe, but mine is uh, the earlier Cordy and uh, West scene where they're going through demons, demons, demons. <laughs> really put a lot of thought into that name. <laughs> I do like Love that they it. do that. She's like, I would just call it Demon Database. <laughs> um, I'm going to agree with Ian and Gabe. That is my favorite scene. I... For all the Gabe, you perfectly articulated like she is an asset, and we're gonna show you that she's an asset. They don't fucking undercut it. I love it. I love it. Cordelia is great. Uh, what grade do we give this episode, Gabe? I haven't gone below a B all season, but I think I'm gonna give this one a C minus. Totally fair, Dana. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it a C. Ian. Yeah, it's a C, and that's grading on the curve of season one. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm also <laughs> yeah, truly. I'm also a C, but I'm like parentheses, not in a bad way. <laughs> like I think at least the Cordy and West stuff is fun, and I do like them having to have the agency of like salt kind of solving the case. Um, but it's just the A plot is caca. Like the yeah, I mean, I mean, I hate to summon up the meme, but I was entertained. Right, like <laughs> if that's the the uh, by a, any basic measure, if there's a binary measure for uh, episodes one way, and I honestly think, you know, it's it, 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 TV. That's the one obligation yeah, yeah. it has is to to entertain, and I was entertained. <laughs> Fair. Um. All right. Well, thank you all for joining me. Thank you. Absolutely. All for listening. If you like Slayer Fest 98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Uh, you can support us on Patreon. Any and all support is much appreciated. We, at this point, will have finished Harley Quinn Season 2. We're doing What If Season... Finishing up What If Season 1. And eventually, we'll get to Harley Quinn Season 3. Um, and if you want to follow us on social, we are at SlayerFestX98. If you want to follow me, I am at IanXCarlos. Dana, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DanaPickley, 2 cs one l Gabe, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram using the handle GayBones, G-A-Y-B-O-N-E-Z, or you can go to my website, gaybiz.gay. That's a real URL, I promise. Wow. Gabe, every every time you tell, say that, I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, I forgot. Like, I love it. I'm <laughs> very entertained it's great. every I, time. <laughs> I thought I was a professional lesbian, and that... <laughs> <laughs> have you dot gauge no, yourself yet myself oh, that's yet. The, the real question and ian where can everyone find you i'm youtube.com slash passion of the nerd um and you're on season two of angel right yeah um as of the time of this i mean the right. recordings working on uh reprise in the body oh the body oh god Oh, wow. Ugh, I, I, I do not, mm. I do not envy you having to go no. on that episode. No. Um, all right. Well, thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.